0: welcome to is told by nomads i'm your host ty Roxon, and i'm a blogger digital marketer and multicultural individual who has lived on four different continents listen weekly as i profile people who identify with several cultures and share with you stories tips and interviews about how to embrace your global identity and use it to your advantage to live your best life let us begin What's up ladies and gentlemen, today's episode is with Adam Hacker. He's a really cool guy that I met online and we bonded over his experiences as a multicultural individual. You're going to hear a lot of cool stories about his adventures in Japan and coming back. He talks about meeting his girlfriend, it talks about how a certain movie helped him out and how uh, the journey that led to him finding his company that has become a success. So, Enjoy the episode. Make sure you let me know if you have any questions. You can send me a message on Twitter at Tyroxon, T-A-Y-O-R-O-C-K-S-O-N. Or you can just uh, reach out to me on the blog, Tyroxon.com. Let's go. All right. Today, I have with me Adam Hacker. I'm pleased to have him with me. He's the founder of Shoto Consulting Group. He's been launching and managing small businesses for the past 10 years. Uh, Welcome, Adam. Hey, thanks.
1: Happy to be here, Tao.
0: Good, good. So, Based on our conversations earlier, I knew that you had a multicultural background. Can you map out your third culture or um, nomadic experience and talk to us about why you moved so much?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I guess it really started in the living room in Pennsylvania where I grew up, Pennsylvania, United States. Uh, My parents had called my younger brother, Chris, and I into what we called family powwows, so a time for family to talk about. You know, usually it was about vacation. Usually, uh, it was about visiting a relative. Uh, once it was Disney, so we were really excited to be a part of this family powwow uh, back in 1991. It took a very drastic turn. You know, my brother grabbed the globe per my mom's instructions. <laughs> says, "Do you guys know where Japan is?" And we're like, <laughs> we're looking on the globe. I was nine years old at the time. My brother was six. Uh so we found Japan and I'm sure we'd seen it before knew nothing about it uh again 91 at the age of 9 you know anime wasn't popular in the United States yet um of course Godzilla movies and some of the uh the very very famous Japanese movies they weren't they weren't part of our lives yet uh, but we found Japan on the globe <laughs> and we said we were game my mom will tell you that my first sentence was, think of all the new friends we can make overseas. Uh, wow. So we jumped on board, all four of us. Uh, it was, I mean, I still remember a lot about that moment. Uh, so in 91, we moved to Japan uh, along with our cat Cruiser, which was a house cat. Uh, I had to go through a bit of quarantine over there when we first arrived, hmm. but started out in a hotel. My father had only been there once, I believe, uh, on a, an apartment search. So we... We'd dove right into the heart of Tokyo, um, which is such a a difference from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, which is mostly a pretty, um, pretty suburban area. Um, so we spent three years in Tokyo before moving on to Singapore, Singapore, another just fabulous, fabulous place to live. Um, Mm -hmm. I've heard my Singaporean friends have referred to it as Asia light and they recommend starting with a place like Singapore, not with a place like Tokyo. Uh, But either way, we had a, we had a great experience. So, I mean, that, that really is the gist of my TCK experience as it pertains to living overseas. So those five years as a child from ages nine to 14, uh, moved back to the U.S. I entered high school, which was a huge challenge uh, going from a very, you know, a very incredible school system to a public school system in the U.S. Uh, very tough, but uh, those are the parameters of my experience. Wow.
0: So, um, judging from what you said, it was basically on a whim? Your parents just said, you know, where do you want to go?
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> I guess I should explain that. <laughs> uh, my, my father was sort of courted for this position, uh, which was a logistics uh, type of management role in Tokyo. So he was in charge of getting parts to the right places, parts that were manufactured in Japan. Uh, most of them were for Japanese products. His company, which was called AMP Incorporated, um, they built a lot of parts locally to source local businesses overseas. So uh, if there was a car that's made in Japan, they had manufacturing in Japan for their parts. Um, Japan in particular really focuses on internal supply chains. So, they weren't going to buy a part if it was made in China, if it was made in Taiwan. Like It had to be built in Japan to go into a Japanese car, Uh which is why my family is stuck almost entirely <laughs> with Japanese cars. Because they really – I mean, you end up with a better product, I think.
0: Nah, no. Nah, I hear you. Okay. All right. So um you said you did that for about five years or so? Yeah, five years as a kid. And then yep. – Transitioning back to the U.S. was a little hard for you. Why do you think that was the case?
1: I had absolutely nothing in common anymore with people that I considered my closest friends. You know, the first three summers coming back to the U.S., which we were fortunate to be able to visit, our, you know, Harrisburg and mm-hmm. uh, relatives in Iowa and Minnesota and Colorado, California. I mean, we made these great visits every summer. And, you know, I still regarded them as my closest friends. And, you know, on my birthday, I got to call, you know, one of my friends in the U.S., which was back then probably a, a $30 or $40 phone call. Right. Uh, so I was still really tied to them. And so I guess when I came back to the U.S., I was expecting to sort of pick up where we left off. But I, I just I found that I was now this invisible foreigner, this this sort of you know, blonde white guy who had no business being in (laughs) Pennsylvania anymore. Uh, So that, it was really tough. I was involved in sports, but, you know, in the U.S., sports was life for these people, and I just didn't care about it that much. Mm. You know, I really wanted this balance of academia, uh, athletics, uh, extracurricular activities. I mean, I valued my my personal freedom so much that I couldn't get involved in a sport where you're going to put in three hours after school every day and give up your Saturday I didn't understand why people were so keen on doing that um, so yeah it was a, it was a tough transition the first year back was
0: the hardest first year back okay so the first year back was hard how did you sort of start to get into the high school system and how did did it, did you still feel different in college or as you were growing up so through
1: high school I mean I did form bonds with some of those existing friends uh met some really good new friends who I'm still in touch with um so i guess you know part of it was maybe not wanting to fit in wanting to like rebel just a little bit um eh, you know high school turned out fine you know i had a good experience i graduated as a you know honor student i went to prom i mean i did all the normal american things yeah. um I opted to go to a, a small private school for college not far from where my family lived. Um, I guess that's more of what I was used to okay. you know my my parents went to large universities uh University of Iowa and penn state, so like their college experience was very different. you know they were one of thirty thousand students, but I really identified with those smaller private schools so I went to Dickinson College, which is in Carlisle, PA. There were under 2,000 students there. Under 2,000? So 000? I guess that was under 2,000 students, wow. yeah. <laughs> I mean, my, my high school had twelve or 1,600, so it wasn't much bigger than my high school.
0: Wow. Adams graduated from college. Did you uh, – and then um, you remember you said you, you were trying to figure out what you were trying to do, what you wanted to do with your life, and then you came across – Lost in translation, or was there some transition before you saw that movie?
1: I guess I was overly confident. Some might say I was brash. I mean, I was young, and I knew that and I knew that I could get things done. Um, <laughs> like I'd, I'd seen so many different ways of doing things because around the world, everyone's got a different method and Still to this day, I sort of use some sort of a hybrid method of accomplishing things. Mm. Um, you know, and I'll never say that this is the way it has to be done. Like you mm. can always adapt, you can always change. Um, but I, I was interning at Merrill Lynch at the time as a, I guess a, a junior, and then also as a senior, I had a couple internships there, and I saw that these guys were making all the money they could ever want, and um, frankly, they weren't all that happy and. And that's not to say none of them were happy. Some of them had great lives with, you know, families and whatnot, but not everyone was very, I guess, genuinely happy about anything I could, I could observe. And I traveled overseas for, um, spring break. And this is when I saw Lost in Translation. I was with a very good friend of mine, uh, traveling over through Europe and, You know, we went out the night before, so we were just looking for like a cold, quiet place to sort of unwind the next day. (laughs) And we said, well, Lost in Translation, you'll love this movie. I think he'd already seen it. Um, And this was a guy who was into arthouse movies, and he had all the great music from Europe before anyone heard of it in the U.S. So it was a very cultured guy, even though he never lived overseas until he he studied abroad for a year. But uh, so this was someone I really bonded with. And so we saw Lost in Translation, and it This is the time before YouTube. Like this was before you do a Google search and you see a thousand images of this, you know, the same crosswalk or the Tokyo Tower. Right. And what I saw was my neighborhood on a huge movie screen, and it was unbelievable. And it was the first time that I saw that old life again, Um, you know, other than in old pictures that I had taken or my family had taken. So I mean. I won't attribute everything to to seeing that movie, but it certainly kicked me in the right direction. Um, And before going over to that trip and seeing the movie, I had actually started my company that I've carried on today. And um, so, you know, it was this sort of transition period in my life where I know I don't want to be behind a desk Mm -hmm. for 60, 70 hours a week. I know there's another way to do it. I don't know if I should be in the US. I don't know where I should be. And then I saw the movie and I mean, it was just an incredible kick in the pants, I guess.
0: That's good. So you, you had that that sort of moment where you realized you, you connected with something on screen and you were like, this is, I want to do something that connects me with people of the world in some way, I guess. And did that lead to the founding of your company or? I'd started with this consulting business b- before then
1: But it wasn't at that point really a consulting company. I mean it was just – I took the money that I would have spent on room and board and I invested in a property Um, because room and board at Dickinson was so expensive. It would honestly equal to down payment on a house. And I was able to get a loan. I was able to rent rooms out. We held the property for um, I guess about five or six years. Uh, Sold it when I went back. So that was like the first project in – it was the first time i had ever collected money for anything it was uh it was a fun experience knowing that i was in charge of this property that you know people i i'm now in some type of management role even though it was just as a you know a landlord i mean i lived there too so i was living with fraternity brothers of mine uh but it was a fun intro to business um it's when i started i guess having to separate like business and friendships and, it, and honestly that's not a fun separation to have so Uh, It was better after I moved out and I was renting it to people that I wasn't living with.
0: I guess at at this point, you sort of fell into it uh, the business side and then consulting grew out of it. How do you feel, before I even ask that question, what does a shelter consulting group do and how do you work with uh, different people? What's the main uh, goal of the company?
1: Uh, The goal of the company is to provide strategy to struggling businesses, to individuals um, to, to individuals who want to start up a business uh, mm-hmm. and get you from vision to vantage, which is our sort of slogan, uh, get you from A to B. And, I mean, people have great business prowess. People are. I mean, they're bright and sharp in their own capacities, but not everyone can run a business. It's it's very different, mm-hmm. um, which is why I mean, you see so many issues with startup restaurants. Everyone thinks they can run a restaurant because they like food, they like cooking. Well, it's very different.
0: Yeah, uh, most <laughs> um, that most, does happen yeah. to be one of the a large percentage of restaurants fold after <laughs> that, a year. Right, that's that's the percentage out there. So, yeah,
1: I mean, most like I think it's fifty percent of all small businesses okay. yeah. fail within two years. Um, You know, restaurants is just one that's very visual um, because you see. a. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com people today. You know, a four-let sign on the outside of a building and you see closed on it. I mean, uh, but I did actually do a restaurant. That was my first project outside of school was like starting a, a restaurant, which, you know had. Uh, we sold out of it years ago, but it's blossomed into a small chain, which is great. Um, Good for you. You know, we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, it doesn't matter what the industry is. I mean, I've worked alongside um, the White House several several times on Martha's Vineyard uh, with the White House advance team, Marine One, Air Force One, Department of State. Uh, I mean, you name it. Like, we, we've had a lot of great representation of our clients and – um you know, I guess everyone does it their own way. I mean, I know there's other businesses that do this sort of thing, but the last project I wrapped up in September, we doubled their revenue inside of four years. So, I mean, there's, there's something to be said about, you know, putting the right people
0: in the right places. Well, yeah. And there's something to be said about you and what your company does, obviously, if you can help them, uh, well, I, <laughs> <their return.
1: laughs> but, yeah, okay. well, I mean, I attribute that success to being adaptable and, The teams that we put together, I mean, last summer alone, we were working with uh, a young woman from Bermuda, two young guys from Albania. Um, You know, we have these multicultural teams who I think part of the fun about going to work is learning from each other about, Hmm. like, how you say something in your language or a story about your childhood, which, you know, someone could have grown up in a town that only had one stoplight in Eastern Europe. But we're we're talking about this funny story in New York City that's similar. And so I think that's what makes it so cool about having a diverse team.
0: How do you think uh, TCKs, global nomads, people of diverse personalities, uh, cultures, can influence the workplace of the future? Do you think it's something that's needed or something that the world is headed towards? Because having a diverse team makes it easy to sort of solve different problems.
1: Yeah, the world's definitely headed that way. I mean, globalization is just, I mean, it's ever-growing. Like, there's going to be more Americans living abroad than ever in history. Uh, And the same is going for all the other countries. So, Mm. I mean, more Japanese people now uh, are living in the U.S. and over in Europe than ever before. Um, And so that's going to continue to happen. And whether or not they're growing up overseas, at least they have that multicultural exposure Mm. Um, sort of, you know, the TCKs, I think, would form the backbone. And they're going to look for people who have similar experiences who have traveled. And I mean, that's really something I recommend to TCKs is keeping in touch with your network. And, you know, nobody says when do you leave a country, you have to go back to your passport country. I mean, there's so many options, like build your networks. Um, mm-hmm. I've had an opportunity to work with Fellow classmates from a Singapore American School on projects here in the U.S., which is just—I mean—it's incredible. You'd never imagine it back in, you know, '96 or something that we'd yeah. be working together in the future.
0: Okay, so you—you hire people. So let's say a TCK is looking for a job, and you said, build your network is one way. But what is one thing that a, a TCK global nomad can go into the into a, work, a workplace and tell an employer that he has or she has that other people might not have? You know, what, what skills can be parlayed into the workplace.
1: Yeah, I mean, I keep going back to adaptability because, honestly, that's what I look for. I I don't want someone to say, well, that, that wasn't in my job description on day one. I don't know if I can do that, should have to do that, want to do that. Like, you need to be flexible. And a TCK, you know, who's had experiences in, you know, third world countries in bustling foreign cities is going to figure out a way to get from A to B. I mean, that's just sort of Mm. like that's part of life overseas. And as an adult, we're not used to learning things. So if you're adaptable from a young age, like you're already used to learning things as part of your daily life. And I think that's something that, you know, a lot of people sort of neglect Mm. once they're above a certain age or, you know, unless it's something they have to be licensed for or trained for like, they kind of forget about that. And I've been guilty of that too at times. And so just remembering that you can figure out a way to do it. You've been doing it all your life. And so as an employer, a TCK is a great, great person to have on.
0: <laughs> no, it's funny that you say that because uh, the last uh, last job interview I actually went for, before I got it, it was, that was a question that they asked. And I said adaptability and I'm able to manage different things. And you said it and I was like, what? <laughs> but it took me a second to think about it because he was asking and I hadn't, thought about it before I walked in and I was just, the word just came out of my mouth. <laughs> I just started saying everything else, but, uh, you know, it worked. Now yeah. we, we've talked about the success side. Um, Obviously there's some challenges. Um, You know, I, I grew up in four different continents and uh, sometimes yeah. I was trying to figure out who I was or am I, you know, you go back home and it's like, are you Nigerian enough or are you trying to be American? You know, whatever it is. What was one story where you felt really, out of the element outside yourself, you felt like you were just not comfortable who you are and how did you come back or how did you remedy that?
1: It's probably more recent than like you might expect. I, Hmm. I'd gone back to Tokyo. This is now, let's see, I guess three years ago I was there during the great Tohoku earthquake. And, um, so at that at that moment, I mean, that's a story in itself yeah. I and mean, flooded with emails, calls, Skype, people offering to buy my ticket home. You know, I kept telling them, like, this is my home. I mean, this, yeah. this is as much of my home as any place in the world. Like, I'm not going to leave this country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't. I stayed there. Both my roommates left. But, <laughs> um, you know, I stayed in the country the whole time. Um, I had an escape route. I had a plan, but I felt it was safe enough. I never felt in danger like personally, but anyways, um, I gone back to Japan twice to work. So first was five years ago now as uh, a teacher on the jet program, which is the Japan and exchange and teaching program. It's, it's fantastic. It's set up through, um, the Japanese consulate and the U S embassy. It's, it's, uh, it's probably the best within Japan, one of the best in the world. Mm. I absolutely recommend it, whether you know Japanese or not, um, for that experience. You can do it for one to five years. I did it for one year. Uh, felt that that was enough. But as soon as I got back to the U.S., I was as depressed as I've ever been. Like, I didn't know why I was back in the U.S. I mean, you know, where I lived in Japan was very uh, rural, so I knew that Tokyo is where I wanted to be. Um so I moved back to the US for only 5 months and I said I need to go back like there's something that's not yet been done like yeah I need to finish something right Yeah Um so I moved back to Tokyo I worked at a a private school in Tokyo uh working with um business clients a lot of them were managers uh business executives who were hosting English speakers or traveling to English speaking countries um, so it was a very different experience than teaching uh, students. Um, it was more rewarding, but at the same time, I, I guess I had to have more of a sales role. I was, you know, in charge of bringing in a lot of new clients and sort of wooing them with our abilities to teach you. And, and so I, but I, I felt English was an educational process. And so I didn't really vibe with the sales angle, believe it or not with that. But, um, I mean, I was so lost. And so I, you know, I. I had to go back to Japan to sort of find myself. I mean, that's—it's honestly like that fight or flight type of reaction that I know a lot of TCKs feel when they're back in their home country. Uh, and I had to leave again, so I did. I mean, so I guess some of my advice is to at least plan a trip back to wherever you're, you know, moving from. Yeah. Um, but I went back to work and it just clicked. Something clicked. I was—I mean, I can remember the day. I had a rooftop terrace and I was reading the, the TCK book, A Global Nomad. Um, uh, I forget her name. Dr. Ruth Van. Yeah, Dr. Ruth Van. I, I forget her last uh, name too. But she's- she, Something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's the TCK book. I mean, there yeah. really is only one. Yeah. Um, and it talked about using it to your advantage. Mm-hmm. Like you have to move on and get beyond this point of feeling sorry for yourself and using it to your advantage. And it just clicked in- I mean, that was an amazing turning point where I said, I need to have purpose, and it can be this multicultural background, this TCK lifestyle. It can lead the rest of my life. Um, And so, I mean, ever since then, it's still been a a battle here and there, but um, it brought me back to the U.S. I helped out with my family. I traveled in the U.S., I saw places here that I'd, oh, I'd overlooked and I never Mm. cared to visit. I mean, I was sort of in that, again, another like rebel phase where (laughs) I didn't want to have any part in, you know, exploring the U.S., you know. Right. Um, But, I I mean, I'm very happy to have a U.S. passport. I feel very comfortable here now. Gotcha. Um, But it was a long process. I'm 32 years old now, so.
0: Hey, it's never too late, right? It's, uh, It's always a different journey, a different path for everyone yeah sure a few more questions here where is home what is your favorite place <laughs> and which country has the best food
1: all right that's tough I, i've been to 15 countries uh two of which are now part of a third that's my trivia question that i ask people uh and i won't put you on the spot here but you can think about that two of which so are part of the third? 15 countries two of which are now part of a third country not russia no. do you want to know yeah yeah <laughs> all right so Mac- macau and hong kong they're now part of china oh. um but it's a no one's ever gotten that right, so I hope nobody feels bad about getting stumped <laughs> there. I mean, home is – honestly, I consider home where my family's at. My mom and brother are in Harrisburg, okay. uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania in the US. Uh, I, I visit there more than any place probably now. I mean, I, I'm kind of in limbo because I usually go to clients, so – I mean, right now I'm in North Carolina, but I, I've never even spent more than a couple of nights here before. Uh, before we moved here, huh. and I, fortunately, like I, I have a girlfriend who I met in Japan. We were both teaching in rural Japan, um, and so she's offered some stability to me. And so that, now having this great relationship, I don't feel like I have to, like, jump off the next plane and go somewhere.
0: So love sort of created you some sort of stability and some sense of home, in a way or comfort. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's definitely a sense of comfort and stability. I I hope no one takes that as like a negative, but um, it's provided a comfort where I I never had it before. Right, and I guess comfort is what we're all seeking, and it's what we go to the ends of the earth like looking for. I mean, along with you know experience and self inner exploration. I mean, I've done that for a long time, but. Uh, having comfort and being calm around somebody that that was kind of new to me, uh, but anyways, we live in North Carolina. We both lived in Japan. She was depressed too when she came back from from teaching in Japan, so we had <laughs> we've had a lot in common for a long time and I guess so the last question about food, probably Singapore Singapore you can get any food any hour of the day night. I mean, you can get sushi, you can get curries, uh, you can get noodles from China. I mean you get the best food. Anywhere, my favorite is this little like Islam restaurant in or some Islam Muslim restaurant in uh Gaylong, Singapore, hmm. and they'll have curry at breakfast. you sit on a plastic chair and it's about five sing, which is four dollars u s or something and I mean it's just
0: incredible <laughs> yeah, Food is so cheap there I mean, I used to live in Vietnam, and I couldn't believe how cheap the food was, it was just- oh yeah, Vietnam is even cheaper yeah, just go 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 thank you adam where where can we find out? You know what you' up to, and uh, what's the best way to reach you?
1: I guess the easiest way to to track me is with Twitter, which is how you and I actually connected for the first time. Adam yeah. S. Hacker on Twitter. I mean, of course, I'm on I'm on all kinds of social media, but Adam at me dot com. If anyone needs to get in touch directly, I really do offer an open hand to like people struggling with like the readjustment period or trying to get back overseas. I mean. Like, I've had some great mentors in my life, and I'm, I'm not saying I would need to be someone's mentor, but I, I've been fortunate enough to have people in my life that have helped me with advice, and it's been, you know, some of the greatest uh, information in the world came from, you know, my elders, so if I can offer any help, I'd be really happy to uh, make myself available.
0: Thank you. I'm I'm sure people out there would appreciate it as well. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to As Told by Nomads. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review here on iTunes or on Stitcher and subscribe. Also, be sure to head over to my website, tyroxin.com, to subscribe for more updates and tips on how to navigate the world and check out some of the other things I'm doing. Till next time, remember, home is not necessarily a physical place. It's wherever you most feel comfortable.